Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, June 16th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jillian Fisher. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on what's going on in the hockey world. And today, we're going to fill you in on a couple buyouts, or actually a quick buyout. First off, um, the Flyers will once again say goodbye for the second time to R.J. Umberger. Um, <laughs> as we know, the Flyers players return, and quite often, two or three times before you actually, you know, it's like a... Like an old girlfriend, you can't really get rid of a flyer. And then they stay um, down for a couple of years, you know. They you know, do, and then they stick around, and then they become part of the, uh, you know, the the, the uh, alumni team. But here they are, yeah. So RJ is, um, I think, and I kind of get the sense, you know, that I mean this is the end of an era for RJ Umberger. Had a really, I, I think, a pretty interesting career. You know, he came in as a player who was a holdout, if you remember right. Yeah. Remember right. He got drafted by the Penguins, wasn't it? Vancouver. By Vancouver, right. He's from Pittsburgh. Talking about yeah. people from Pittsburgh. There's a nice transition. He's from Pittsburgh, and um, he's from the Pittsburgh area. Got drafted by Vancouver. Played. Did he play Ohio at Ohio State? State? Yeah, played at Ohio State. Yeah, right. So then he was a Blue Jacket. Of course, after the, after being a, after being a Flyer, he went to Columbus. Somewhere. No, no, no. He was a Ranger before anybody. They signed him. That's right. The Rangers signed him. The Flyers, though, uh, but didn't uh, the Rangers sign him when the, when the Canucks couldn't? Is that what happened? Yes. Okay. Then he got traded to the Flyers. I thought the Flyers signed him when the Canucks could. Yeah, no, the Flyers did. Right, yeah, the Flyers signed him when the Canucks. Oh, could. oh you know what it was? I know what it was. The Rangers tried him out and they didn't sign him. You're right. Right, right, right. The Flyers signed him. It was one of those things that went like beyond a year, you know, when his rights became available, and the Flyers signed him. And uh, so it was a little bit of an auspicious right. beginning. And when the Flyers signed him, a couple things had to happen. Uh, one of which was. Um, if I remember right, Patrick Sharp got traded to make cap space for R.J. Umberger the first time around. Am I right about that? I think I think I might be right about that. I'm not positive, but I know that there was a connection between R.J. And, and Patrick Sharp. I believe that's right. But anyway, there were some stuff that happened. R.J. had a pretty interesting career with the Flyers. He was very good for a while. This, but he was and he was part of. He came here with Lindros still here, you know. And at the time that you know they were going to be R.J. and Lindbergh, Lindros were going to be the big, you know, the twin tower type players up front. RJ had, I think, one of his most memorable moments was definitely in the Stanley Cup playoffs against when he was flattened by flattened by Brian Campbell in Buffalo. That was a, and he was a real good player at that point. He was, he and he he was a very good playoff player for the Flyers early on in his career in general. He um he was he put up serious playoff points. So people were who are hard on RJ right now just realize he's been in the career in the in the league for a while. I mean, this is like this is the end of his career, and he um you know he did have a cup pretty big contract. Well, and, go ahead, Mike. No, what I was going to say is when that trade was made between Columbus and Philadelphia, everybody looked at that deal and said that the reason it was made was because Hartnell uh, had, I think, four years left yeah. in his contract and Umberger had two. It yep. was clearly a deal where we'll live through a year or two of Umberger and then buy him out rather than having to buy out Hartnell and it stretching for six to eight years. So, I mean, for my mind... 
that was the goal all along, and he really didn't contribute much in his second incarnation in Philadelphia. I mean, he... no, I would say that's putting it lightly. Um, <laughs> he really had a hard time with it. it, and admittedly, himself would admit that. I mean, he was not. I think he himself would be happy about this buyout today. I just think he he he's one of the um, things about R.J. Emberger, and when he was traded to the Flyers for for Hartnell, I remember talking to somebody um, on the team who had been there with R.J. and was still there. And he said, you know, the problem with R.J. Umberger is he's a negative guy. Like, he comes in and he's, he's kind of a self-defeatist type guy. He doesn't think he ever plays well. He always thinks he's doing lousy. He just has that kind of, like, doesn't bring a lot of uh, energy positive, in positive ways to the team where Hartnell was, if you remember right, you know, very, very um, you know, oh, yeah. and positive, so completely opposite. So there was a lot of concern. And I do think that the Flyers suffered from that in the first year um, because they have other players like that. Like, Simmons is another guy who's hard on himself if he doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... That's that that's honorable at some points, but it also can become if if you're outward with that, it can really can like we can feed under the other into the whole dynamic. Be mature about it. You got to know when to rein it in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you got to keep it to like yourself. It. Um, you know, it, it's guys that they don't want to they don't want to let the team down, so they talk about how how bad they are. Basically, it's like it's a we've all worked with people like this, <laughs> so it's um, you know um, and well, since Mike's not here now, we can talk about it. Um, <laughs> but um. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. It was a total joke. Uh, so yeah, that, was good. Good. that was just too good. Sorry, I had to. I had to lay that one up. Um, <laughs> it was just a layup. All right. So, so RJ's gone, and um, you know, going to be bought out. And this this does open up a little more cast space for the Flyers, and they are definitely looking to make moves. And they're they. This is the beginning of what I think will be a really interesting, you know, week and a half to two weeks for the Flyers here. Uh, maybe even that's called like two and a half to three weeks, probably, because um, they're going to be active in UFA in UFA stuff too. And I know you've you've said it too, Russ. You believe this, right? Yeah, I think they'll move up in the draft if they can. That'll be the first thing they try and do. If they can't move up in the draft, I think they'll explore some trade opportunities at the draft. But I don't think they're going, you know, big time free agency with anybody. I don't. I, I think that's if people are looking for that, I think that's a misnomer. I don't think they're ready for that. I don't think that's the plan. I just think they're going to try and do it other ways with assets they have and not try and cap things out because that would be the old way they would do it. Hey, we got a little cap space. Let's spend it all. Yeah. It's not like that. And I, I get the sense that the fans are also kind of feeling that too. Like, listen, we've been there, done that. Like, we'd rather – Hextall has been sometimes painstakingly patient. Like, I think Philly is not used to that kind of patience, but I do think it is – Something that the fans are like, if we if we feel like we can just wait and make the right moves and not go crazy, uh, they're they're willing they're they're more than willing to do that. The the day of the quick fix is over with, and I think the the fans realize that the day of the quick fix is over with because I mean you had never had a fan base like Toronto buy into a rebuild. You know that was always the the justification of their management group was oh we gotta we gotta win right away we gotta you know plug holes no the fan base knows that most successful teams right now are built through a combination of draft free agency talent recognition and trades I think Hextall has brought that to Philadelphia and the days of going out and spending six plus million dollars on an idiot like Ilya Brzgalov. Uh, or, or or a guy who was a great player who was over the hill like Vincent Lecavier, you know that's a failure. So you have by, to go in the direction. By the way, Bridge Gallup did happen to come out today and say, yeah, I took a year off. Now I'm going to be back in the NHL this year. And, and yeah. I, I, you know, that's if somebody signed you. That's, yeah. I think someone will invite him to camp, but I don't know if he'll get more than that. In, in, in the I feel journey. the passion inside and the fire in my eyes. I want to face new challenges, and I want a chance to play in the best league. 
I renewed love for the game and desire to compete against the top oh, players in the world. Love. What happened to his old love? For and he's yeah. bored with Haddonfield. That's what that tells me. Enjoy the Vladivostok <laughs> Yeah, I have a friend who sees him all the time at Home Depot. He's been doing a lot of work at his house. Um, <laughs> no, I, no, I... Briz is, you know, come on now. Briz is, Briz is awesome. I mean, these, he yelled at me once in the locker room for my cell phone being on. I mean, he's just like, there's so many things that I can say about him. He's just, he is such he's a not, unique... He's not somebody, I think, in, I'd want in like a, if, if things aren't going well or if things are, if things are rough. Um, I think he provides entertainment, but I think there's a time and a place for that. Uh, yeah, if you're getting him as a backup for a million bucks, fine. But other than that, yeah. There's not a lot of positives to having him on your team anymore. That's that's just the reality because his game isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah, Everybody liked the idiosyncrasies when his game was good. When his game wasn't good, mm -hmm. idiosyncrasies wore on people. They were like they were weird. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> Sometimes it was straight up awkward to watch some of that those interviews. It yeah. felt like oh, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the Vladivostok Admirals of the KHL because I think that's the only team that'll give him a chance. I mean, I don't think that anybody in the, in the NHL is going to give Ilya Brzezgal off the time of day unless it's a two-way deal and you know it costs them $575,000. Then maybe somebody will roll the dice, but I think he's used up all of his currency in the NHL, honestly. He may have. I mean, I, I think there's a good chance of that. I, you know, but again, it, it, it's an interesting thing, and I, I'm not going to make too much out of it. I never interviewed him that much because, to be honest, I just I didn't like the whole act. I think he's a decent guy, but I also saw another side of him where we were um, at the Winter Classic, and he had literally just come out of the locker room, and he didn't say a word to the media. We were all waiting on him. He, he gets his gum and he just throws it into the trash can like he's dunking it, and he walks out. And then we all looked at each other and said, I guess he's not starting a winter classic. That's super weird. That was the start of the whole downward trend with him, if you remember. It was. Oh, that was awesome. What a great story. I heard that as I was walking back. Sorry. <laughs> I always remember that. That is like... Yeah. Right? Didn't that stick with you? That's oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were so many oh. things. I mean... My phone, when we were sitting in the locker room, we were standing in the locker room, and I was, we were all around another player in a scrum, but I was next to Brzezgalov, who was changing, so he was over here sitting next to me, but I was interviewing somebody over there. He's just sitting there. It's not like it's quiet. People are talking all over the place, and my phone's on vibrate, and it goes, and he goes, hey, turn your phone off. I'm like, really? I just looked at <laughs> They just had a horrible game. Um, but it was, you know, whatever. He was just... Yeah, I mean, after being the star of 24-7 and, you know, talking about, what was it, Tiger Blood or whatever, you know, whatever or, you know, drinking vodka, whatever the heck it was. You know, that is what's – that before that, before the um, before that 24-7, Brzezgalov was on fire in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. After the 24-7, he was – it was a disaster. I mean, that literally yeah. – 24-7 destroyed his career, I feel like. Well, it didn't help it. I really do. I really think it did. I, I thought it was pretty, pretty terrible. It didn't do. It didn't do wonders for for Bruce Boudreaux in Washington. Um, you know, because right. everybody perceived that he was, you know, going above and beyond and dropping yeah. bombs. And uh, the only thing anybody remembers from twenty four seven when it was Toronto and Detroit is the toaster with Randy Carlisle. Right. I mean, I will. I will admit that I actually think, though, I disagree with you on Boudreaux. I think I still believe to this day that Boudreaux would not have kept his job. I felt like yeah, I the, think fans, you're right. the fans and, who were around were not putting any pressure on him because they realized that he was literally doing everything he could, and yeah. you saw what he was doing. You saw the players letting him down. It was otherwise. I mean, that an eight-game losing streak for a team like that right then and there would have been 
You bring up a very interesting point where you say the fans saw that he was doing everything he could. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because it shows that the fans do the the fans pressure on social media has an impact. It absolutely oh, yeah. has an impact on these on these coaches, and that's amazing to me that. Like when you think about the 24/7 or the uh, series they just did for the Stanley Cup Final, these coaches, I feel like they know that the fans are watching, and they know that social media is important. Uh, so it's almost like, how much of an act are you getting? And especially in the Stanley Cup Final, that's a, you know, it's great for the league. It's great entertainment, but it's amazing that these coaches go what they have to go through. Oh, I know, I know, and it, it it's it's very true, and. and... And the other thing about that, you know, last thing on the 24-7, I always, always like to bring up this point, though, because I think it's fascinating, is that 24-7 lost its mojo for me the second it um, it aired. And because, like, if, I, if they had filmed the entire first, if they had filmed the entire series before putting one on television, I can imagine, I can't imagine how cool it would have been. But when they, when they put, well, the first, when they put the first one on television and Boudreaux saw himself saying all this stuff and saw, like, how it looked and how it viewed... It changed everything, um, and it really did. It, but but that first episode of Twenty Four Seven was phenomenal. I mean, because that was really that was really behind the scenes. And after that, though, you know, they say they were they say they were just ignoring the cameras. They weren't ignoring the cameras. You can't so, just ignore the cameras. So I think we need to talk about the Con Smythe Gate mm. because now now we see how the voting has broken down. Frank yes. Savali, you know, we All know. Right. So um, it, we wouldn't be a really hockey bus guest if we didn't talk about Phil Kessel anyway. So. Um, all right, yeah, so as as we now know, um, Crosby edged Kessel in a tight Conn Smythe vote, um, a 9-7 nine, nine to seven apparently, with two voting for Latang for some reason, um, which I really didn't, I don't know. I mean, I had heard there was, I actually probably know who those two people are because I had a discussion about with two people one time over dinner at the media thing about the, who said they thought Latang was the MVP, so I can tell you who they are, but I won't. But um, I pretty much know who they are. Um, the Latang thing is the biggest question mark for me. Like I can, I can buy it between Crosby and Castle. I can. The Latang thing for me is very questionable. He was the biggest question mark we've all talked about throughout the playoffs. He made, he caused them to almost lose games sometimes with the penalties he took. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that yeah. one to me is very interesting. It almost is like to be the MVP, you can't be doing things like that. To make your team possibly lose a game, to lose your lose your cool a little bit. You, the MVP doesn't lose his cool. Right, but here's the other thing. So two people apparently left Kessel off the ballot entirely, and that's the thing that always drives me crazy yeah. with the baseball writers' vote is when a guy who's clearly deserving gets left off the ballot entirely. Because then to me that screams agenda. Like that yeah. means you don't like Phil Kessel and you don't want to see him win this award. And I think that's terrible. And that's. That's the way I take that when I when I, I see agree. that. Here's the thing. Crosby didn't score a goal in the Stanley Cup. Right. Now, Bill Guerin came out, and, you know, Bill Guerin's a good guy, but he's like, well, he did the two-way thing and everything, and it's like, you know what, that's fantastic. But how many two-way guys that do all the little things win the con Smythe? Nobody. Nobody ever. What was the, when was the last time that some – because somebody had brought up the, the statistic or, like, the year. It had been, like – 10, 20 years since somebody that had the kind of the stats that Crosby had has won the con Smythe. It has been a very, very long time. So it, it says yeah. something. Yeah, and I still, I cannot, I still cannot believe that, you know, there was not any, that Murray was not given, that Murray didn't get any love in this thing. Yeah. I just think that, you know, 
it all it, it all evaporated in game five. That's yeah. but that's but people just I like I think it evaporated before game five. I don't even think it was an option. Honestly. It was a long shot before game five. But even game if he's five. not, even if he's letting up goals and all that stuff, as we saw, you know, whatever. I mean, even if he, it's just it's just the, what he meant to that team. I mean, literally. If you took him out and put Mark Andre Fleury in, they don't win the Stanley Cup. So, like, let's say you take you're probably, you're probably right, but the but the thing is, is that you can't look at what Pittsburgh did in the final and see San Jose getting 18 shots or 19 shots and say that the goaltender was the reason why they but won. But then, what did Crosby do in the final? Like we just said, I mean, if we're yeah. going to talk about the final, know, Crosby was amazing I'm before not, the final. I'm not arguing. I, I like I said, I'm not the biggest Phil Kessel fan, but Phil Kessel deserved to win the Conn Smythe. I thought he deserved to win the Conn Smythe too. Yeah. Talk about Murray. Even the greats let up good goals, bad goals. That happens. Even yeah. some of the best goalies in the history of the NHL have let up bad goals. Yeah, so that's, that's not excusable to me. That that's not a reason. Letting yeah. up one or two bad goals, not a reason. He kept no. them alive. We, we get a lot of texts and emails and things when these kinds of votes come down. I didn't get one person that said, "Yeah, we thought Crosby should get it." I kept getting texts and and, and emails that are like, "How did Crosby get it?" I mean, that's what I was getting. Well, I, I, I don't know. Talking to people, I, I I heard people saying that Crosby should get it. I, I definitely heard that. I mean, I get it. I, I, you know, at the at the events, you heard that some talking about like this was Crosby's. I mean, I'll tell you one other thing. I think plays into this, and and then Mike, please have your point. But I think the idea here is that Crosby had this unbelievable season. Um, when you take out the beginning of it, right? I was just gonna um, say the first half, not so much. Right. So, but I think that. So, I don't think he's gonna win the MVP of the league. You know, where I think you know that's good. You know, obviously that's gonna go to Patrick Kane, right? So, it seems like that. But, but, but really, when you take, if you just took that last couple months, the first couple months away from the season or whatever, and then you know, from basically the point at which Crosby was not voted on the All Star team was when it all turned. Um, and I, I still believe that was I still believe that was a motivating factor for him to, to not be on the All Star team. That's from that point on, he was the best player in the NHL, no questions asked, and he was an MVP. Um, and yet, you know, I think these I think a little bit there's a little bit of voter guilt about this. I think that I feel I feel like there I felt like there was a subconscious thing like oh how great he is now look how great he is now because we didn't vote for him in the other one. Um, and, you know you don't know that but we didn't vote for him over there. That I feel like that has something to do with it, Mike. I mean, I just, I just think you know, you could tell about, I'd say after game two, from all the, you know, reporting and commentary from you know various people who were at the final that it had swayed from Castle to Crosby. That you know, Cros, you know, everything in terms of you know, maybe not the scoring because Crosby scored, I think, four points less than than Kessel did. But yeah. you know, he's taking faceoffs, he's matching up against Joe yeah. Thornton, he's doing this, he's doing that, and how. And you know, I'm not disputing that, but I thought just you know, purely on the points aspect and scoring key goals or making key offensive plays, setting up Malkin for that one goal, things of that nature, that Kessel had probably earned uh, the Conn Smythe, but. Other people didn't see it that way. Well, remember Haglin on the ice says says said something that I thought you know I thought man he must watch the hockey buzzcast. Um, he says to um, he says what I've been saying all along, which is the fact that Crosby's the best grinder to ever play the game. And Haglin said Haglin said that right there and then. And the fact of the matter is Crosby is not a really about points, even though he does put up really good numbers. He really does do other things. And I and I don't deny that Crosby was MVP worthy in this thing. I yeah, really don't. You know what the thing is, though? Like, I, I'm not denying he's MB, not MVP worthy. I'm just saying there was clearly a better candidate. And the idea was when Crosby was dead in the playoffs, and there was a point where he was dead, yeah. Phil Kessel was carrying the club. Now, it never happened the other way around. 
Kessel really did right. more to keep them in the playoffs than Crosby did. And that line was bigger down the stretch for them. I mean, that, that line was bigger down the stretch. to, to When they got on their role, and, and I heard Bill Guerin talk about this the other day, who's, and Bill Guerin is a big friend of Hockey Buzz's and a big fan of this show too as well. I heard him talking about it the other day and saying that, listen, that – you know, when did it turn around? He's like, well, you know, the Sullivan came in and put his thing in, and then the HBK line took over, and that's literally what he's. That's literally how he's pointed to the beginning of the transition of, of that team going from being a really scary, horrible team to a really scary good team within a very short period of time, right? So, and that line stayed together throughout. I mean, right. they all, they were moving Sherry in and off the line with Crosby, or Kunitz in and off the line with Crosby, or even moved Hornquist at one time and then brought him back quickly. So that yeah. line. HBK line was consistent throughout and productive throughout. Right, right. And they got 56 um, points. 56 points throughout the playoffs. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I agree with you. That's the one that's, thing, though, I said about the vote, I said the NHL probably loves that Crosby is the MVP. I'm not saying that that's oh, yeah. the reason why, but Crosby, the one name that an average or just casual fan would know is the MVP. That's great for them. Sure. Oh, no, it's good for marketing. Like, he was good on the point. Dan Patrick show today. If Phil Kessel would have won, I don't think Phil Kessel would have been on the Dan Patrick show. But, again, I don't care about that. Yeah. I know. I'm not, and I'm not saying that's the reason that he, it happened, but that is just a, a side. Yeah. 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 Totally. No, I mean, that, that was it. So let's go back to Carolina, who's been in the news two days in a row now for us. And, then, and you know, a lot this past month. Um, they have extended – uh, Cam Ward, their goaltender, for two more years, $3.3 million per year. This is not unexpected. Um, this is something that we talked about before that I felt like was going to happen, um, only because you know, I knew Cam Ward would take a, pay, a serious pay cut. I knew Cam Ward you know, is very much beloved still in Carolina. I mean, he's still uh, the goalie. He still is the goalie that brought them to the Stanley Cup, and that, that really does... 50 it, it, A lot has turned on him. If you go, no, There are people who have turned on him. I do agree. But I think that you know, of all the places he knows he's going to get the most money, it's going to be Carolina, right? He like if he's going to if if they're, he's not going to get three million dollars anywhere else, and and he's going to get three million in Carolina. So that's why I think that and plus Carolina has cap space, right, to make something like this happen anyway. But I, I actually think that that had more to do with him getting three point three million than anything because they get the, they need they need to get to the cap floor, so they didn't mind paying him a little extra. Don't know about teams. Not the same goalie. He's not even close. No, like not even close. No, no, no. He's not. He's not. But he's a bad signing. This is a okay. familiarity signing that is not going to get them anywhere. Now, this what this is telling me is that I guess they don't feel like they're a serious contender for the next couple of years. So he's their stopgap goalie. Yeah. No, it means that that they're probably going to split him and Eddie Lack halfway down the middle in terms of games because Ward played I think over 50 games last year, which was surprising because you know Lack was a guy that they brought in from Vancouver who everybody thought was potentially the heir apparent. Um, played 52. Ward, Ward played 52, and and I think you know Lack played in it played uh, 34. So uh, you know maybe it goes 40 40 this year, but. I don't know. I mean, when's he, the last time Cam Ward was a factor? I'm telling you, I've watched him in so many games, and for that one game where you see the old Cam Ward, I was watching games where I was like, "Is this Cam Ward really giving up game, giving up goals to give up games?" Honestly, yeah, yeah. He's, he's at the same point of his, of his career that Ryan Miller is at in his career. No, I would take Miller over him right now. I'm saying at the same point. I'm not oh, yeah, saying yeah. the same goaltenders. I mean, but it, my point is, Ward has been injured a number of times. He's not 
laterally doesn't move as well as as Miller does. And I think this is a like you said a comfort signing. I think he's basically a one B now, and Eddie Lack will be the one A and get probably more games. But I, I still think that uh, maybe him getting a little extra. I mean, I thought he was going to get in the two two and a half range um, from from some team. Him getting over three million dollars is probably because the the Hurricanes need to get to the the, the cap floor. Okay, just another interesting thing I noticed here um, for those of you who like to follow the media and enjoy Bob McKenzie on television, which I really do. Um, he, you know, since Sportsnet has the draft again, um, that you know, the, but McKenzie will be on NHL and NBC, which is good. So that's I like the fact that that that's going to happen. Uh, it's definitely our win down here in the states to get McKenzie there. I mean, I'll be on Sirius XM live both days. Just I'll saying. Be listening. Yeah, no, we'll always listen. We have had some calls back and forth for us over the years. We've had some fun yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, some little things that happen behind the scenes that you might yeah. that we can we can't discuss. But yep, no, there's always no. good stuff going on there. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Um, also, I was look, seeing that Rutherford wants to sign, um, wants to bring back Justin Schultz, which is an interesting interesting call. Um, but he doesn't. He's not. He's not very optimistic. He can. He's what he said. He says, "I'm not very optimistic. I can." Obviously, well, the Penguins need to clear, clear space, which is what you know a lot of these Malkin rumors are tied to. Well, the the thing is, is that Justin Schultz to get he's because he's an RFA to qualify him, you would have to give him about I think it's three point eight million. I mean, it's yeah. you know he's he made over he made over three million last year. I'm looking it up as we speak here, but um, uh, he's Schultz, a top four defenseman like that we've talked about before. I think not a, he's not a top four. Actually, no. Um, yeah, he's on that team. He is. As of now, he is on that team. Well, I mean, honestly, he didn't play a ton of minutes in the playoffs. Maybe he isn't. I mean, I don't know. He was on their bottom pairing. And the yeah, I don't think he is a top four on that I team. I felt like he got elevated minutes at times. No, because, I mean, Latang, obviously, Mata, Daly, and then who? Derek Pouliot, Dumoulin. They're Dumoulin, all sort of in the Dumoulin same. Dumoulin was in their top four in the playoffs. They're all in the he could be. A, he's he's right in there with those guys. So he's 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 on the edge of being a top four defenseman. Like I mean, if he plays well, see that that's the pro, that's the problem. Uh, Schultz, I he believe it was close to four million dollars to qualify him. You have to offer him a ten percent increase. That means a pay, a a salary over four million bucks. They're not going to do that. So if they don't do that, and he doesn't get a qualifying offer, he's an unrestricted free agent. And he may get some offers out there because there are, there's not a ton of defensemen out there in free agency. So it, you know what what Rutherford's probably trying to do is say, okay, Justin, we want you back, but we don't want you back at four million. How about two and a half? And with the market out there, Luke Shen can get signed in free agency this year. So I think Justin Schultz can too. Here's the thing. So he did play over 14 minutes in the playoffs, which is a good number. I mean, that's that's a really fair number. And he played well. I mean, he it took him a while to get it going, but he did get it going in the Stanley Cup, and I felt like he was a factor. They do know that this is his favorite team yeah. and the place he's always wanted to play, so they probably can get him a little cheaper. Right. But here's the thing, and we're seeing this. Teams don't want to give up defensemen anymore. They don't want to let any defensemen out there. So they're doing everything they can to lock up defensemen, and Echo will be talking about the other guys getting locked up too. Yep. All of a sudden, that market is shrinking every minute. Well, can we mention what, what was just tweeted out literally minutes before <clears throat> the show started? Uh, was that uh, Mike Chambers, who covers the Colorado Avalanche report. Yeah, I want to talk about this. Joe, Sh- Joe Sackick saying that Tyson Berry will not be traded, that... 
uh, they're either going to go to arbitration for him or that they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. Now, I, what I personally think is this is like, yeah, I'm not going to trade him. I'm not going to trade him until somebody makes an offer that's worthy of this. This is curious because this is curious because I know that there have been discussions with teams about him, and um, so this this tells, and I know that for a fact from talking to other teams who have had discussions. Um, so if you know that discussions have happened with him, and now they're saying he's not being traded, he's not being traded because they're not getting what they want. So exactly. that's what's happening. So he's they might not trade him, and they might be like, okay, you know, and it also I. Don't totally discount this fact because I tried, kept trying to get this information out of people, and they weren't. I remember I had a long discussion with Adrian Dater about this, who was really obviously tied in with Colorado. Um, and I said, you know, with the with what happened with the Penguins with this copycat league, I mean, here is the go here is a defenseman who fits into that kind of defenseman perfectly. Like he is that he is the new new age new wave right. of defenseman. Um, so suddenly, is he more valuable than he was when they were thinking about yeah, trading him at the end of the year? This is what's happened. Yes, I think part. I think that plays into it as well. So, yes. they, they, so they're willing to they're willing to not trade him. You know, which is what which is what Sackage is saying here, because if they do trade him now, then it will look ridiculous. Sackage probably won't trade him at this point, but I think at this point they're willing to trade him still if they get the right offer. But I I wouldn't expect teams. I I probably don't think he's going to get traded. I think it shock me if Shattenkirk gets re-signed re too now because I think teams are sort of looking at this thing. Listen, you can make the face, but teams are looking at this yeah. model now. I'm making the face not, beca not because... The <laughs> I'm making the face not because Chad and Kirk can, will stay with the Blues, but the it's, I think it's more, it's more the fact that they can't afford him or can't afford to spend that kind of money on another defenseman when they're spending money on Bo Meester and Peter Angelo and probably after next year, you know, having to sign Perico to a long-term deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, Shattenkirk is one year away from being a UFA, and unless you're prepared to spend $7 million on him, you're no, not going to – They're going to ride it out. I don't think they're trading him. That's, that's basically my point is no, they'll, they'll, they'll ride it out and they'll try and re-sign him. But they're not gonna they're not gonna put him out there for a team now because he may be the difference of you know some team yeah. making it to the cup or not. And I get on. And and I talked to somebody about this yesterday. And more than ever, I think we have to realize that players are going to be lost. That teams are willing to lose players for nothing, as we call it, nothing. You know, which is which is Kevin Allen always says is for cap space. You know, what you don't yeah. lose a player for nothing, you lose them for cap space, which turns into players to be named later. So you do end up picking up players. But I think that like Russ, what Russ is saying there is dead on. Everything is so friggin' tight, especially in the Western Conference. You know, so you go through that, and you could say, okay, we could trade Chat and Kirk for a second or a second and a third, a couple years now, or whatever we're gonna do. But, but why would you do that when you're when it's gonna when it's gonna come down to the fact that you need all that depth on defense in the playoffs? But and, that's that's the point. I'm not saying you trade Shattenkirk for a second-round pick. I mean, you parlay Shattenkirk into a player that helps you someplace else. I mean, yes. If you don't get value for Shattenkirk, then you don't do the deal. I mean, you got to get defense. The, the, the thing is, he's a defender, you know. So the the problem is, he's, he's a def you have to get a def you have to you know you have to know who's going to fill that spot on defense. You have to know you're you're not going to lose your depth if you have somebody new coming in. Smaltz, I don't know if he's ready. George Smaltz, a heck of a skater and a great yeah. puck mover. I don't know if he's ready. If he were ready, then they can do it. But if they feel like he's a year away, Shattenkirk's not going anywhere. And then a year down the road. How do you know they're not going to trade Bowmeister? Like Bowmeister may fall out of the model of the new yeah. NHL because he's yeah. picking up an age. That's what I'm saying. Right now, GMs I think are all in the situation room and looking at things and saying, if we get rid of this guy, what are our options? And they're finding out that their options are like Luke Shen or yeah. trying to make a trade they can't make. 
So if you're the Blues, you're a couple goals away from the Stanley Cup this year. Right. You know, you were really close. So the way they're going to look at this is they're going to try to do as much as they can, like they did last year, and keep it yep. to keep it going. To me, to me, Russ, this is all a ploy. This is a ploy by the, by general managers to try to maximize their value for their for their defensemen. I mean, I, I, I would say that, in the past it was, but I think the funny thing is we we've started to see and under the cap some GMs telling the truth. Now I'm not going to say it's all GMs, but I'm going to say we've seen like 30 or 40% of the GMs now starting to tell the truth because they really are up against the wall and out of moves. And and again, with the Michelle Terrian, we thought Bergevin was definitely going to do something there. And he was like, no, 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 no. And he really didn't. And so, like, you know, it's starting to show me now that because there's not that much maneuverability, yeah. they're telling more truths than they used to. And there's a couple other clues in this. I do agree with you, Russ. I do think they are telling more truths than they used to. But I also will say that whenever I hear someone say that they won't trade somebody, I ask myself, why are they making that available? It's not like, mm -hmm. it's not as if, I mean, the rumors are out there, so he's probably just trying to, you could say, okay, he's just trying to stop the rumors. He's trying to mellow it out for Tyson Barry for his sake so he doesn't have to deal with it, right? And that might be part of it for sure. But when you actually make it public like that, you're making it public for a reason usually, and you're either you're either trying to drive at the price or you're trying to make it make it you know mix. But wait a second, is he available? You know, possibly because there's all different sorts of ways. I and, think he's trying to sell tickets. I think they need to sell tickets there. And I'll tell you what yeah. they did. They've done this a couple times. They said a few days before the draft, we like Nathan McKinnon. Boom. That was all. Yeah, no, they did. They did. And this this team so far, Sakic has been pretty. This also tells me a little slightly bit. That they might not be so heavy on Radulov, you know, which is another name that yes, they've. Talked about. I, I agree. Remember also Matt Duchesne. He did finally come out and say we're not trading Matt Duchesne. They didn't. Right, but he tried to. But he tried to in all these. Situations. See, that's the thing about this. What's, this is what that this is following very much the pattern of Matt Duchesne, in my opinion. Um, and there were a lot of people at the during the finals who were said that Matt Duchesne would get traded. That he's inconsistent and that he's been um that he's been a problem. Funny, and didn't they say anything about Ryan O'Reilly? They did. They did, and yeah, they. The inconsistent. I'm going to tell you something about Matt Duchesne. This kid is driven. He told me in preseason he wanted to make the World Cup team. It was one yeah. of the most important things to him. Anything Matt Duchesne wants to do, he can do. He's one of the fastest guys in the league, and he's a he's a bona fide goal scorer. I don't buy any of this other stuff that I hear about him because I see the when I talk to him and, and I see the opposite. I've talked to him in different. No, situations. I agree. And I agree, but but there are streaks. He has. You have to admit there have been there. No, have been, they're, they're all streaky. I no, mean, but he 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 has a tendency of of these. You know, and and Giroux has the same thing. Well, they'll go like twenty games all of a sudden without scoring. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's something that you know those kind of players really shouldn't be doing. Like you but shouldn't. They, they also show up when when they need to. Is the other thing too. When, when push comes to shove, they do show up. True. Yeah. And Duchesne really last year just definitely showed his um after after the trade rumors he they woke him up last year. That was no question about that. That was something they, that we they had to hit, they had to hit him with a cattle prod to wake him up. They did, but they did wake him up. And he and I do agree he's a competitor and a fierce competitor and, and incredibly fast. And you know yeah. between him and McKinnon, you have two players there that are just. Yeah. That are just stupid fast, you know. So and Tyson Barry too. I mean, you have a lot yeah. of speed there. Um, let's one quick thing before we get onto the prospect of the day, um, and that would be that the Moscow Dynamo, which is a really famous, I mean, one of the more famous teams, Russian teams. I mean, it goes back forever. I mean, the Dynamo, before there was a KHL, where you know there were two teams in Moscow, the Red Army and the Dynamo, and they would come over the, the, to the states and play in the 80s. And not many people remember the Dynamo actually did come over on a couple tours too. Yeah. Um, as well as you know, we all think of the you know the famous Russian Red Army team, but um, the Dynamo came over too. They failed to hand in their financials for next season, uh, the next season guarantees for the for the KHL, and have not paid their players yet in the KHL. 
Um, and there's a bit, there's big talk right now that they might be leaving the KHL, um, which I don't know where they would go. Um, would they go to a Finnish league? I mean, what would they yeah, do? I think they would go to the, the, the Finnish or Swedish league. Yeah, that's where I think they would be headed. Wow. I, think, I can't imagine that something like that could could that could work. You know, um, Moscow is not close to Finland. I mean, yes, it's not close at all. Put in perspective how big Russia is. I mean, we're not talking about we're not talking about oh, just go to Finland because it's the next country over. It's, how, how it is the next country over. They're gonna have a team in China and the KHL. How close is that? Yeah, but we're no, talking. That's, that's closer. KHL. I mean, there are teams that China has. It depends. Yeah. But. It's one thing to talk about a team in St. Petersburg joining the joining the Finnish, Finnish league because it's I think it's just over yeah. the Gulf of Finland. We're talking about you know, five or six time zones. You're talking about Moscow, which is in central Russia. But they yeah. don't pay for the oil. So that's scary for a second. I know as, as Jillian gets out her map for a second. Let's see. I got Moscow. It's right here. Okay. Uh, stop. Oh, look, that's so cute. You have an old school map there. Don't judge me. How far is Moscow from Helsinki? Is that from seventh grade? No. Ridiculous. Thank you. I'm just a dork. What? All right. So All right, 500. It's closer, it's closer than I thought. I stand corrected. I I never would have guessed it. Right here. So I don't think anybody can see it, but it's not that far. It's not, it's five. It's 600 miles basically. So, but to China would be a lot further. Yeah. Rush, you're right. Yep. Hey, um, there you go. So yeah, Moscow so and then China geography. down here. Yeah, let's just say I wouldn't want to fly that on one of those Russian airlines. Don't know much about geography. Um, I thought it was much further. And See, this is why I have a globe, Russ. There. I didn't need a globe. I knew. <laughs> so let's. who is our prospect of the day, Mr. Russ Cohen from Sportsology and the Hockey Prospect Show on XM Radio? Yep. Uh, Jake Bean. Jake Bean is our prospect of the day. He played for the Calgary Hitmen. Jake Bean and Travis Sanheim made up the best duo the best pairing in, co in junior hockey last year. So that was a big deal. They were fantastic. And the reason they were fantastic is because Bean is not the best defensively. But this guy does everything great offensively. He jumps into play well. He quarterbacks the power play great. He, you know, he, he at times looks like a forward out there with the puck. The, the, the good part for him was Sanheim was really, you know, the greatest complimentary guy for him because he yeah. would not always jump in the play and would, would stay back yeah. and get – still can move the puck with him as good as anybody else. So Jake Bean's an excellent skater. The problem with Jake Bean, it's a small one. If you see him in person, and I'll, I'll post a picture later. I don't know if I posted one that I took at the Combine. He's 6'1", 170. Maybe he's added a couple pounds, but he's very slight in the uh, shoulders. And he's so, a bean pole, essentially? I don't want to say that. <laughs> but, but he is slight in the shoulders. And so you do kind of wonder, you know, how much more strength can he get? How much, you know, so that's the only part about him that I wonder about. I, I still think yeah. he's going to go in the top 20 because he has that, that ability and he, is a, and he is a point getter. But the idea is, you know, you have to look at those things now because oh, yeah. guys who are a little bit on the thin side sometimes wear down. Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I was worried he wasn't going to play right away because of that frame. He did play right away, and you could see – he really hasn't put on much weight, and it really – he hasn't – I don't think RNH has reached the level that people no, expected. No, him. not at all, <laughs> and he's, he's had a struggle. I mean, one thing I'll quick say, and then let Mike talk to you more about Bean, but one thing I have heard about this, um, to Flyers fans' delight, which is, like you've said, is that they really like the way he – Sandheim played with Bean, and they yep. a lot of them compared Bean's game to Gossip Bears in some ways. That mm -hmm. is more of just a all-go – and he said, here you have Sandheim who can come in and very much compliment Gossip Bears because he's already been in that situation. So just that. Yep. 
Well, the thing is, I mean, I think there is a place more so now than there was, say, five years ago for a defenseman like Bean and his physical stature because of, you know, the way the game is going in terms of speed. A guy like Shattenkirk isn't exactly a monster uh, physically. Uh, Tyson Berry is not a monster physically, but there are games I think are based more on speed, so I think that improves his value. And if you look at the way the draft is is sort of breaking out right now or the way we think it's going to fall next week, there's that top three level of defensemen with Chikrin, uh, Olya Ulevi of London, and Sergachev of, of Windsor, and Bean and Charlie McAvoy and a couple others, Logan Stanley. That, that's that second level that will probably go, uh, Dante Fabro, that will probably go between 10 and, say, 25. And I think there's going to be a few teams that are going to try to move up either from the, the the second round or maybe the low first round to get up there into that middle of the first round to get one of those defensemen. And Bean is one of those guys that they're probably targeting. Hmm. No, I think yeah. that's accurate. And he's not related to Mr. Bean. Yeah, that's the first thing I think of. Um, just a quick question. This is, might sound ridiculous. I'm, 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 I like to be that way because I think a lot of people don't understand prospects and how this works. So I'm not kind of that person. So... People out there are listening. I'm kind of asking questions for them as well. It seems to me like with this influx of defensemen like this that are that are very much offensive-minded um, and big and lanky and speedy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a common this is a common thing right now because I don't think we had any of them ten years ago, and I think a lot of players went to that direction as they went through went through. Um, is there a possibility that you could see it for a future where you know you have guys who are a little bit more interchangeable with defense and wing because some of these guys feel like their wings and their defenders. You know, and the defenseman, you know what I mean? Like, right now, I know when you're young, you just kind of want to focus on one thing, so you get that get that one thing really good. It's but, impossible. I mean, Ron Gresner did it for the Rangers one yeah. year. They were short, and he, he moved in from the defense, and he was always that kind of defenseman. And back then, he was one of the rarities. And right. he scored, like, 30 goals, I think, on the wing. And so it is possible. Well, I wonder if you're going to coach that will really try this. Like some, like this seems like something that you know. Um, well, the, the coaches have tried tried this before, Ak. I mean, they I mean, have Mark, tried it, but not Mark, really. Mark, Mark Howe played both the wing and played yep. defense. Uh, I know that Phil Phil Housie was drafted as a defenseman. Scotty Bowman moved him up to center in his second or third year in Buffalo. Um, yeah. and a lot Bowman did this a lot with the players. He actually moved players around quite a bit. Yeah, but but and I know that there's a couple, you know, because I've been doing a lot of research for the draft. There are a couple players in this draft that are interchangeable that have played like wing and defense. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I think see the thing is the you know players like Jake Gardner they were forwards in high school and then they ended up becoming oh, yeah. defensemen because because of the want of their of their organ of the Brian Boyle was a defenseman. Right. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, you needed that because you because most teams either need defensemen or they need something else. And I know you know just from coaching even soccer where we have players that play sometimes strikers, sometimes sometimes back, you know, sweepers, different spots depending on situations. Um, if they're talented and they're fast and they really can do, yeah. you know, we, we put them where you need them in different spots. Well, and this is a reason I think like the Flyers would be interested in Bean because at the end of the day, if they had Bean, Sandheim, and Gossesmere out there, would they try a shift like that? Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, yeah why but, not, right? But see, this is the, this is the same situation that we're talking about with Edmonton, who you know they're going to have the fourth pick overall and they're going to take a forward. I mean, one thing that Philadelphia has in loads is defense. Really, they should be targeting a forward with their draft pick, unless they're going to trade one of their defensemen to get a forward. I mean, well, they it, want to draft a forward, but I think if if this guy's there, yeah, that's the thing. It, they they definitely want to draft a forward first. But let's say Max Jones is gone and Bellows is gone, and they were targeting him, and Bean is there. Right. They may look at Bean and say mm, it's between Bean and Rupstoff. I they might go Jake Bean. 
I can't say they're not gonna. And that I mean, it, and this this is like you know the Nashville way of doing things because you never you can never have too many defensemen. You can right. move defen- you can move great defensemen um, if they develop. You know, as long as you can get them Here's time to develop. Up. Yeah, as long as you get them time to develop. What do we know about being in the social media world? Jillian? He's not too active on social media. He, it's funny that we said about him privacy on social media because his Instagram is actually a private account mm-hmm. um, but on Twitter he's not very active I mean he'll say something some things here and there usually congratulating one of his players or one of his friends um, so that's a, that's the most interesting side for me is seeing these players interact with each other before they all break out into the NHL um, and you can yeah. really get to get to see how they how they are friends or who who they're close with I know uh, it seems like he's close with um, Brendan Burke. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brendan Burke. Uh, yeah. But the other thing, uh, it, I don't know if he speaks Russian or not. He tweeted something in Russian in response to ru- a Russian tweet. Uh, <laughs> so if he does, that's pretty cool. If you use Google Translate, I don't know the difference. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, one thing, he, he does like Skittles. Uh, I did not see that. I did not see if he likes Skittles or not. Uh, apparently, he's a very subpar Monopoly player. Which is inter- interesting to me because if he ever wants to play board games, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you guys are interested, his Twitter is just Jake Bean, his first last name underscore two. Jake Bean underscore two. There you go. He's a good guy. He's a very easygoing guy. He he's very self-aware, self-critical. He you know he he understands now that the NHL the way it is has really opened up an opportunity for him, and he's not going to blow it. Yeah, he seems very focused. He seems like yes. not dist- you know not distracted by other things. It's m- almost exclusively tweets about hockey and other players and other uh, teams. So he's very focused. You can tell. Very good. Very good. All right, folks. That's all the time we have for today. But we'll be back again tomorrow. Um, same bad time, same bad channel. One o'clock ish in the Eastern time zone. Uh, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. And have fun. We'll talk to you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.